man. Welcome to Greg Merriweather Show. I'm your host, Greg Merriweather. And so, yeah, man, it's a lot. It's a lot going on that we're going to we're going to keep moving forward, man. I just, you know, pray that for once something works out, you know, for the greater good of our people. So anyway, in Hollywood, in other words, in Hollywood, uh, I don't even want to call it Hollywood. There was a rumor. There was a rumor that went out in the atmosphere that really had me shook. It had me, it had me tripping. And, and this is uh, from Vibe magazine. Um, some people put it out there that Faith Evans and Mary J. Blige got to scrapping. Now, I said they got to scrapping at a Puff Daddy party. Now, I'm glad that it's been confirmed. <clears throat> this fight never happened. Okay? Mary J. denies fighting Faith Evans at a party. Now, this is from today, y'all. This is this isn't this is right now news. It says in the wee hours of Saturday, September 8th, rumors swirled that Mary J. Blige and Faith Evans got into a squabble during a party hosted by Diddy in the Hamptons. There was no video of the incident, nor were there any official reports about what started the issue. And that's likely because the fight didn't really happen. Blige dispelled the rumors on Monday, September 10th, while being interviewed on the red carpet during the Dennis Basso show at New York Fashion Week. Quote, of course that was made up. I was shooting a movie in Louisiana. I got here today, she told Page Six. Additionally, a representative for Evans said that the story was completely false. I have no idea how this rumor started. They said Puffy didn't even have a party. The fabled fight between the musical giants came on the heels of a highly publicized Fashion Week altercation between Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. During the latter incident, Cardi B reported, uh, reportedly threw a shoe at Nicki Minaj and her entourage, alleging that Minaj favored it, favorited, <laughs> interesting, hurtful comments about her parenting skills. And so when you look at this thing, let me just say this. I am so thrilled. I'm happy. I'm elated. I'm over the top. I'm Stevie Wonder overjoyed that these two women did not get into a fight. And because I think that when you look at Mary J. Blige and Faith Evans, scrap it, man, that's no good for anyone. That's not a good thing. But I think it says something. There's a good side to this rumor. Because in the midst of the rumor, and it did not happen, it takes you back to this ladylike thing. And I don't want to be sexist in this, but this thing where, you know, women can come together as women and basically not have an issue. Faith and Mary J. Blige have probably had some. Let's just be real. You take uh, Lil' Kim's cooler with Mary. You think, you know, Lil' Kim was dealing with Big and so on and so forth. So there was, I'm sure there was some allegiance. Then when you take Puffy, Mary started with Puff, but you say Faith was signed a bad boy. Faith to me, in my opinion, I like Faith. I think Mary had some great jams. I think the music that Mary gets is banging, but I think vocally I would pick Faith. That's just what I'm saying. But anyway, I'm glad that this did not happen. I'm glad that this did not happen because it is, it is good news to know that we ain't beefing. At least not fighting, shall I say. It's good to know we're not fighting each other. We'll get to the other two later in the show. Okay? In other news, Michael Strahan. Now I found Michael Strahan, this is from Essence Magazine. Michael Strahan was being interviewed. 
says on Good Morning America, the Good Morning America co-host, Michael Strahan, said that he would likely kneel in protest if he was still playing in the NFL. The former NFL star who spent his entire 15-year career with the New York Giants was asked about the controversial protest on Monday's episode of the Ellen DeGeneres show. Quote, I think I would have kneeled, he told host Ellen DeGeneres. I would have had a conversation with my father, and based on that conversation and conversations I've had with him, I'm pretty sure I would have. Strahan, who retired in 2008, explained that his own father was an Army veteran. He stated, when my father, who's 81, can look at me and tell me that he's not offended by it because he understands, then how could I, who didn't do that service, be offended? The NFL announced in May that players who kneel during the national anthem this season would be fined. The league also declared that players who do want to protest can choose to remain in the locker rooms. Miami Dolphins teammates Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson were the only two players to kneel during the national anthem on the NFL season opening game Sunday. Former San Francisco 49er quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who created a kneeling protest, acknowledged the teammates in a tweet calling them his brothers. Kaepernick's decision to kneel during the national anthem in 2016 as a protest against police brutality sparked a national debate. His actions eventually led to the take a knee campaign that swept the NFL and other sports in the following months. And so, okay, brother Strahan, um, the likelihood I, I roll with you, you know, you said likely, um, you know, when I look at this, I think that as a brother, there, uh, there is so much to kneel for. <laughs> Let's just be real on that. Uh, especially now that you see, you know, this brother who just got killed in his own home and you, 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 you're mad at this man, this young man for taking a knee when a brother can't even be at home and not get shot. And so with, to me, and this is no knock to my brother, uh, Michael Strahan, but, but I think when we get ourselves in the news and in front of that camera and they ask you that question, would you kneel? I don't think the question, I don't think it goes to think. That's just me. I believe it's a, it's a vehement yes. It's, a, it's an absolutely, it's a most certainly, absolutely I will, no doubt about it. Of course, if I was there, I'd be kneeling right along with him. Why? Because when I look and I can name out all these people, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, I mean, I could go on and on and on on so many people who have been killed and no, nothing has happened. You know, even in Indianapolis, Ann Bailey, you, I mean, you could, you could keep Mac Long, you could keep going. There have been so many people who have died that Colin Kaepernick's stand makes all the sense in the world. His kneeling makes all the sense in the world. And so, yes, Brother Mike Strahan, I, I uh, would hope that, you know, you would take a knee if, if, if need be, <laughs> you would take a knee. Um, so I just, you know, hope that, you know, as we progress, you know, and shout out to the two brothers. Shout out to the brothers uh, who took a knee uh, this weekend for the opening day with the NFL. Um, Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson. Let's talk about that really quickly. Uh, taking a knee, um, especially in the temperature of the league right now. And I don't think I've talked about this much, but you've got a lot of people who 
love the Dallas Cowboys. Let's just be real on this. Let's talk about it. You got a lot of people who love the Dallas Cowboys. Um, me, for one, I don't. Um, and I've never have. But I don't even more now. And the reason I don't is because I just don't like what Jerry Jones stands for. I really don't. I don't, I don't like when a man tells me, tells another man that he doesn't have the right as a man to take a knee. He doesn't have a right to, to have his own set of beliefs. And if you exercise those beliefs, then I'm going to basically retaliate towards your beliefs. That tells me the type of man Jerry Jones is. And before I would ever cheer for anything he owns, I would cheer against it any day of the week. Because I think that Jerry Jones is, is quite tacky. I'll just say that. I think Jerry Jones is quite tacky, and I think that as long as we have people like him um, in the midst of our country and being able to be a person who tells black men stand or get fired, not a good look on Jerry Jones' behalf. And so I just want us to, you know, keep an eye out for that, you know. Anybody that will violate your your rights as a human, I think we should we definitely keep an eye on those. Um, I want to say this before we move forward. I just want us to, you know, anybody who has family on the East Coast, you know, Southeast Coast, uh, South, the coastline, the the, uh, the Gulf area with the hurricane brewing, um, just make sure those people, your loved ones, check on your loved ones, see if they're safe. And, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, we keep them in our prayers as we move forward through this season because, you know, it can get quite ugly down there because we have seen – some ugly things as it relates uh, to the weather in the South. And just want to make sure I put that, put that out there because, you know, I have some friends um, who live down that way. So just my thought, just a quick thought. Did anybody see uh, former NFL player Burgess Owen? Now, Burgess Owen was uh, just on <laughs> – he was on TV – and he compared anybody who's been around the world, anybody who anybody knows anything about anything going on in the in the world today, you know it's 9-11. And Burgess Owen, old player, <laughs> he he was on on uh, on TV, and he stated he was on the Fox Business Network yesterday, and he said that. Uh, he said Nike's latest advertising campaign, uh, he compared them to 9-11 in, in, in Pearl Harbor. And, when, when, and people are going off about this, okay? And he says, you know, we now just have Nike, for instance, joining the fray. Owens told host Stuart Varney on the eve of the 17th anniversary of September 11th attacks, and as we see a little bit less probably of the kneeling, we're going to still see the narrative by Nike. And that is a Marxist who's going to be the face and commercial in the NFL games from this point moving on. He continued, we have to look at the bigger picture and understand America that we are under assault. It's like 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. We're being assaulted by the left. And we need to understand who they are. And so when I look at this uh, comment by Burgess Owen, I think that uh, Brother Burgess, I don't, I don't necessarily want to disagree with him. Uh, I think that 
the attack on Colin Kaepernick is definitely a negative attack. I think it's an unfair attack. Um, I'm not sure if it's to the magnitude of Pearl Harbor uh, because we have to be careful about seeing one person enduring what thousands of people endured. Even though that one person may, what they feel we cannot measure, we cannot measure the pain of one person. But at the same time, I think the impact and the ripple effect of life is a little different when it's one person. And what I mean by that is not one person perishing, but the but but taking a little heat, taking some heat is probably a challenging thing. And as a person who takes my own share of heat, I must say that it is tough. There are people who get hurt. There are family members who want to fight. There are family members who want to say comments. And I'm sure Colin Kaepernick's family does deal with all of those things. Uh, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it's not fair to, I don't think it's fair to have a comparison, if, if that's fair to say. I don't think it's fair to have a comparison of saying which one hurts the most or which one is the most, you know, gruesome attack or, or what have you. I, I think that when you make equal attack, now, if I were to compare Pearl Harbor to 9-11, I think that's a fair comparison. I just do. Um, and, you know, some people would say you want to compare the Holocaust to slavery. Listen, I don't know. I don't want to get into that <laughs> because I'll tell you why. I'm going to be honest on that. I'm going to tell you why I don't get into comparing the Holocaust to slavery. The reason I don't get into comparing the Holocaust to slavery is because I am not Jewish. So I don't I don't know that pain. I don't know what 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 that lingering effect of that has led to in today's time. I do know the lingering effect of slavery as it relates to my people today. And so, yeah. So if I had to pick a focus, eh, I'm a pick slavery. <laughs> I'm a pick my people all day because I think it's necessary for me to be be aware of the things that our people have gone through and to be able to address those things in the manner that I feel that they need to be addressed. So I don't get off into other stuff that I know absolutely nothing about. Just saying. So anywho, we're going to take us a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, man, we're going to finish out the weekend black. Then we're going to get to our topic, which is going to be consumerism. You don't want to miss it because I believe, I believe, I believe it's going to be some mad people up in this thing. So we're going to take us a break and we're going to come back and talk about it. It's your man, Greg Merriweather. We'll be right back. And we're back with the Greg Merriweather Show. I'm your host, Greg Merriweather. Man, we got a big thing coming up. Of course, we got elections coming up in November. So I want to make sure we put people up on that. Um, here's my take. I'll, I'll just say this so we can talk about politics really quickly. Um, I don't mind anybody voting. I don't. I am definitely pro-vote. And the reason I am pro-vote, I'm pro-vote because, yes, people fall hard for that. People fought awfully hard for that. Um, at the same time, I am pro-accountability. I am truly pro-accountability. And what, I, what do I mean by that? I mean that it is necessary for us to hold our elected officials accountable. Why? Because 
We have to understand that when we vote for someone, our vote is our voice. (laughs) And by voting, we're handing our voice to someone and saying, go speak on behalf of me for me. So the things that impact me are now changed or made better. And, And I don't care what made better means. I mean, made better from the perspective of better living quality you know, better education, all those types of things. So better living quality. And if you have elected officials who ignore you, I've said this a thousand times, but I'm saying it again. If you have elected officials that ignore you, if you have elected officials who you cannot call, who you cannot talk to, who who basically treat you like a nuisance, um, if you have an elected official who comes around every now and again. Now, I'm going to say this real, especially, now this is not the election for it, but I'm just going to say, especially when you get to the, to, the, to the level that I'm talking about, and I want to say this before that election comes up, before the 2019-2020 election comes up, but a counselor, that's as, that's as close to your hood as it gets. Those people represent your district, your hood, your this, your that. And if you don't see those people, you've got a problem on your hands. And it would be in your best interest, in our best interest, to one, I'll say this, because I'm going to be nice, to one, attempt to hold them accountable. That's, that's due diligence. Due diligence means I am going to try to talk to you to hold you accountable. That's number one. Number two, in once you've tried to talk to them and hold them accountable, if they choose not to hear you, if they're unresponsive, if they just flat out don't want to talk, then you've got to move to next to the next phase. And the next phase is to Find someone who can do the job. Now, I, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I'm going to say, and I'm going to be honest about it because it was disturbing to me. I'm not going to say who did it, okay? But when you've got counselors who are like, don't be around broke people, don't be around complaining people, don't be around struggling people, don't be around these types of people. That's disturbing to me. And the reason it's disturbing to me is because there are so many things going on in this country that will cause one to complain. There is so much going on in this, con- this country that will cause people to not just be broken in pocket, but broken spirit. Okay? There are people who are broken spirit. They're broken religion. They're broken relation. They're broken family. They're broke down in so many different ways that to have to say, don't don't get away from those people. And if I am a person who you voted for to help that change take place, to maybe decrease one of my complaints, to maybe add a dollar or two to my pocket, as opposed to telling me to get away. That's the job. That's the job. That's the thing. You know, politics 
for a lack of better terms, politics was the name of something that that's what they made it. The real term was called public service. It was called being elected to public service, being a public servant, one who cares enough about the people to operate on a large scale for the public. And if you don't have people who work for you, who work for the greater good of the people, and I, listen, if we spent more time focusing on local level politics than 45, I assure you the impact that we would have would be far greater. It would be far greater. Yeah, there are some big things. There are some big issues. There are some big issues with 45. But when I think about what we could possibly do to make it happen, then I know that I have got to hold my elected officials, the ones who are in my face, the ones that we see on a regular basis, the ones who said they down for the hood, the ones who are over that district accountable to the degree that it's disturbing. Make them mad. Make them mad enough that if they don't want to do it, they'll quit. That's real. Because you should not be a nuisance. You should never be deemed a nuisance. Because I'm going to tell you this before I go, before we take our last break and get to the topic. You're not a nuisance when the vote is needed. Keep that in mind. And I would dare any of y'all. Now your pastor might get mad and don't say I said it because I'm going to have to deny it. But I dare any of y'all. Sunday morning. Elected official gets up. You haven't seen him in a whole year or two years, I'm going to say. You ain't seen him in two years. I dare anybody to get up in that church and ask the simple question of where you been since the last time we saw you. Ask it. I dare you. I would love to have a Sunday morning campaign during election season, when everybody's out campaigning and coming to your church, I would love to see people get together and make signs and hold them up in the church and have the question on there, where you been since the last time we saw you? It's, it don't take a lot to change the game. It just takes the tenacity to change the game. It just takes someone standing up to change the game. It just takes having a voice to change the game. You don't have to do a whole bunch of running around and jumping and shouting. Get a sign Sunday morning, stand up in the church and had a sign that says, where you been since the last time we saw you? Change the game. I guarantee you, they'll start doing something differently because I need to see you more. I don't need to see you out on the streets and you have no idea that I'm in your district. 
because you've come to some stuff. You've stood out there. You've talked about it. You've made sure you knew the lights was out where I lived. You knew the sidewalk was busted where I lived. You knew that the trash wasn't get picked up on time. You knew that this grass wasn't getting cut. You knew this house was dilapidated. You knew that they was going to take this house and do something with it. You knew when they was going to start gentrifying my neighborhood. You knew when the school was going to close. But all of a sudden, I don't know nothing until I see it on the news. Why are you not talking to me until that day on Sunday? Can somebody please tell me that? Because once we start doing that, man, I tell you, it will be a great day. You get, listen, you will always get the type of politician that reflects how you are. If you overlook in your community, you're going to get a politician to overlook because that's your voice. So if you overlook in your hood, that's the type of politician you're going to get. One that overlooks your hood. Because I'm going to tell you, we can say whatever we want to say about them other people. You can say all you want about Caucasian people. But I'm going to tell you what. They're going to be on their politicians. <laughs> Town hall meeting. Where, it's on their calendar. It's on their refrigerator. What are you talking about? They'll be like, uh, we're we supposed to be meeting this stuff. No, 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 no. Did, did y'all forget that the town hall meeting is today? Oh, <laughs> I must have, Sue, I must have missed that. <laughs> so, so what I'm telling you is we got to know some stuff. And, and politicians, stop having these makeshift meetings and, and people coming out and just randomly wanting to talk about nothing. I'm just saying. So let me break this down before we get to this, this, uh, this, this moment. Okay. This, I'm not going to say this week, rewind last week, last week. Was it last week? Last week, Nike made a decision to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the just do it campaign. In doing so, they chose Colin Kaepernick to be the spokesperson, the face of the Just Doing It, or Just Do It, excuse me, campaign. Now, in the midst of all that, he signed a different contract. They are bringing out a clothing line for him. And... Um, and people are interested. Now, people are interested to the degree where they are promoting Nike. Just listen, and this ain't about what well, were we gonna stop wearing Nike? Probably not. But we was wearing Nike with our mouth closed. Our pockets were still open, but our mouths was closed. And now our mouths are open, our sights are filled, our cameras are clicking. Our hashtags attacking and we're promoting now I just want us to think about this before we go to break what are we doing are we doing the right thing what are we doing with our dollars and if you believe we're doing the right thing I don't mind you telling me that I don't mind you telling me that you could call me 317-644-0524 when we come back from the break because I really want to know I want to know what our thought process is and what do we believe is going to take place 
once Nike gets it popping and uh, and uh, whatever happens with that. So we're going to check that out, man. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk about consumerism. Top of the hour. Shaman, Greg Merriweather. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Greg Merriweather Show. Hate it or love it. This is what it is. This is the beautiful part about having a microphone. Let me just be 100 on it. It's the beautiful part about having a microphone because when it's all said and done, I get to say what I got to say. That's the truth. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, we, right now, Brother Grice, we're about to talk about consumerism. We're going to talk about the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, deal with Nike, and we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about it in a way that might disturb some people. And, you know, okay. Because when it's all said and done, let me just tell you all this. And this is, a, this is what I've had to come. Uh, this is the conclusion that I have come to is that whether people want to listen or not, my job is to plant the seed. And in planting the seed and people don't want to listen, fine by me. One thing is for sure. I will be. Or I will, when it's all said and done, I will be able to say, we knew. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with saying, I know we at least got the information. And that's what I'm responsible for. So that's what I'll do. All said and done. So what I'm going to do, this will be the first, last, and only time that y'all are going to hear me. Let me make sure I get my cursor that y'all going to hear me advertise this commercial. So we're going to start off by playing the Colin Kaepernick. Just do it. Nike commercial. So let's listen to the commercial. We come back from the commercial. We're going to talk about the commercial and then we're going to dive into it. So let's listen up. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Stay that way. Because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world. Be the fastest ever. Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. Don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker. Do both. Lose 120 pounds and become an Ironman after beating a brain tumor. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it stop you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. When they talk about the greatest team in the history of the sport, make sure it's your team. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play it at the highest level. 
And if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. So that was my first and last time advertising for Nike, unless that check comes. So anyway, let's check it out. So when I, when I listen to that commercial, do I think it's a phenomenal commercial? I think it is a phenomenal commercial. Now, let me be honest. Has nothing to do with my plight. Has absolutely nothing to do with my color. It has nothing to do, and it spoke nothing of the risk I take. It spoke nothing. Yeah, it's just got me emotional. It spoke, it spoke nothing of police brutality. It spoke nothing of injustice. It spoke nothing of the people who risked so much before him. It didn't talk about King dying. It didn't talk about Medgar dying. It didn't talk about Martin dying or, 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 or Malcolm dying. It didn't talk about, even from a smaller perspective, it didn't talk about Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, whose house was burned down. It didn't talk about Lumumba. It didn't talk about how a man was put in prison for more than half of his life in the form of Nelson Mandela. It didn't talk about any of those things. It didn't talk about anybody that's getting up every day who is trying to change their community. It didn't talk about the exile that comes with that. It didn't talk about the black ball of standing up in front of the government. It didn't talk about Muhammad Ali saying, I'm not going to Vietnam and making a risk and losing his wealth and losing his belt. He lost everything. This wasn't a man who was still under contract. These were people who didn't have a contract. These were people who got up every single morning who had nothing but risked everything that they had in a person. Not people who had to wait on a platform, but people who built one. They didn't get a check. Fred Hampton became famous because he became more famous of getting shot to death than what he did as he was a living man with the Panthers. How many times have we talked about the, how in Mexico City the black fist was, was held high in the sky and forget that it was just 50 years ago when you, when you think about Nike being made in January, January 24th or 25th of 1963. But all of a sudden, in all that 50 years, where were they when you couldn't play at the University of Alabama? Where were they doing the sit-ins? Where were they doing the four little girls? Where were they doing Jim Crow? And you think 50 years ago, Dr. King, 1968, 50 years ago, Nike's been around longer than 50 years. Closer to 55. 
But even in the midst of that, there were a couple companies that still operated during apartheid. Go look it up. And so it makes me a little upset because I personally, I can't speak for everyone, but I personally cannot afford Big Baller. It's a very expensive shoe. But let me tell you something. I would save my money to buy Big Baller before I ever promote Nike because it belongs to a black man. And it upsets me that I did not see this drive for his business. It upsets me that no one talked about Big Baller to the degree that they talked about Nike. And it made me think long and hard that if Colin Kaepernick made a decision of making his own shoe, would you have put your Nikes on the shelf to wear his? Answer is an astounding no. But when it's all said and done, we have become so happy with them saying, it's time for, it's, it's time for y'all to stand up. It's time for y'all to, it's time for us to jump in. But in the midst of it, in the midst of me saying, I've jumped in your fight. I don't say anything about it. Did you just watch the commercial? Were you just hyped at the commercial? Or did you listen to the commercial? Because if you listened to the commercial, you knew the commercial was not talking about your fight. The commercial talked about sport. It didn't show any heroes of our pasts. It didn't show any sacrifice of our past. So what is the difference between it and any colonized, Americanized history book that our children open every single day and call it real. Real with holes in it, real without us in it, real without talking about our struggles, real without talking about what this country has done to us, real because they don't even talk about all the struggles and people who have died and how hard it was to even get to where we are today. But at the same time, that's what I like. And when I can get you based on what you like, and I can make you move and dance and jump and shout, and I can make you take your energy and promote me to the degree of making $43 million in free advertising in less than 24 hours, Yet I call myself woke. Yet I call myself a freedom fighter. How do you fight for freedom when getting the check from those who put you in bondage? We have forgotten those people. No one can tell me any differently. 
No one can tell me that we cared about, that we have truly embraced what has gotten us here. Because we're quick to turn, turn our backs on it. Quick to turn our backs on it. So this is a guy that most of you probably have not heard of. Most of you probably don't care about him. But he's a guy I listen to. He's a guy I listen to often. And his name is Noam Chomsky. And Noam Chomsky is deemed one of the greatest leaders, one of the greatest thinkers of all time. And in this clip, Noam is talking about created wants. And I want y'all to listen to this clip. And when we're done with this clip, we're going to talk about it. And then we'll take us a quick break. So let's listen to Brother Norm and see what he tells us about created wants. Let's listen. The goal for corporations is to maximize profit and market share. And they also have a goal for their target, namely the population. Now they have to be turned into completely mindless consumers of goods that they do not want. Uh, you have to uh, develop what are called created wants. So you have to create wants. Uh, you have to impose on people what's called a philosophy of futility. Uh, you have to focus them on uh, the insignificant things of life, like fashionable consumption. I'm just basically quoting business literature and it makes perfect sense so the ideal is to have individuals who are totally dissociated from one another whose conception of themselves uh, the, the sense of value is just how many created wants can I satisfy we have huge industries public relations industries monstrous industry advertising and so on is uh, which are designed from infancy to try to mold people into this desired pattern. So when we think about created wants, and basically he says this form of futility, this thing of taking your mind and making you a consumer, making you believe that these are the things that you need. These are the things that truly matter. And when I look at this, they found a way to attach two wants. <laughs> they found a way to attach two wants. Now, when you take, when you go back in history and you look at a J. Edgar Hoover, right? For those of you who don't know, he was over the FBI for decades. Excuse me, the FBI building is named after J. Edgar Hoover still, although he committed more crimes than a little bit. That's another story. So let's say J. Edgar Hoover creates this thing called uh, COINTELPRO. And in the, in the confines of COINTELPRO, they go inside and they start doing all these wrong things of tapping phones and investigating and going on and finding out where you are and all this kind of stuff and, and pretty much tracking your every single move. For, and at that time, very highly illegal because they did it on their own. Okay. In the confines of COINTELPRO, which our country knew was going on, 
which Bobby Kennedy signed off on King to be tracked. We know Malcolm X was tracked. We know all our great leaders was tracked. COINTELPRO. One thing that COINTELPRO said, now, if you've never watched the, uh, the Vanguard video on the Black Panthers, it was on PBS, but I believe it's on Netflix, and you can go watch it. It said that there was one thing that this country said could not happen, and I want y'all to think long and hard about this while you're cheering. It said there shall be no black messiah. Period. Died. There will be no black messiah. That is why most of our black leaders were killed publicly to let you know you don't want that spot. Okay? Now, when you start seeing big business get behind a black messiah, let me tell you how contradictory that is. The country says there shall be no black messiah. And if you think for one minute, somebody going to pay for one, your cognitive dissonance is strong. Very strong. Because this is not about your freedoms. I asked some kids one day. I said, you know, what do y'all think about toy drives? They said, man, that's, that's dope, Mr. G. That's, that's the way. I mean, you know, people can't afford Christmas, man. You know, so you should get toys. I said, so what is it truly saying? Well, it's helping. Okay. Now, this is me talking to, to kids. I said, what is it helping? It's just helping people to feel good. They have some stuff, right? But Okay. I'll get it. I said, now, psychologically, is it not saying that you're not getting to participate in life because you don't get to waste money? Is it that simple? Because if you don't get to waste money, then you're not living. And so we congratulate people for having toy drives because they say you can't keep up with the Joneses. So therefore, I'll take it upon myself to Jones you out. And because people are going to reward me for Jonesing you out. So therefore, when you get some money, what's the first thing you're going to do? Who are we training? How are we training? So all of a sudden, our kids are under the belief that if you don't have money to throw away, then you ain't living. So all of a sudden, we make toy drives. I'll ask this question. They'll give you a backpack, but who will accept the books? Do a book giveaway. I bet the line won't be long. Y'all want to try? <laughs> Do a book giveaway. Do a knowledge giveaway. Do free therapy. But since we've been so entrapped in consumment, we consider that life. We have looked at things, spending our hard-earned money to say, 
I'm living. So I'm going to check this article real quick. Think on this. This is an article that kind of got me thinking more. It says, and this was from CNN Money, so don't you ain't got to say it was me. It says, the 1%, hear that number, the 1% grabbed 82% of all created wealth in 2017. The 1% grabbed 82% of all wealth created in 2017 now if you don't think phil knight falls into the one percent a man who is worth close to 30 billion dollars and all of a sudden you find yourself advertising for him for free you find yourself going to make sure his kids 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 are rich forever and all of a sudden i look black people and they say i hope their numbers go through the roof I hope Nike's numbers go through the roof as if you getting that dollar. But you don't realize it says this, this article says more than $8. Hear me out. More than $8 of every $10 of wealth created last year went to the 1%, the richest 1%. Then it says, that's according to a new report from the Oxfam International, which estimates that the bottom 50% of the world's population saw no increase of wealth. These are not my numbers. So that's according to a new report from Oxfam International, which estimates that the bottom 50% of the world's population saw no increase in wealth. It says Oxfam says the trend shows that the global economy is skewed in favor of the rich, rewarding wealth, hear me, rewarding wealth instead of work. Where, but you find that the worker is rewarding the wealth because the worker takes their work money and gives it back to the wealthy. It says the billionaire boom is not a sign of a thriving economy, but a system or a symptom of a failing economic system. Said the head of an advocacy group argued that the people who make our clothes assemble our phones and grow our food are being exploited in order to enrich corporations and the super wealthy. The study released ahead of World Economic Forum in Davos was produced using data from the Credit Suisse's Global Wealth Data Book. The report also highlights the detrimental effects of gender inequality with data that shows more men own land shares and other capital assets than women. Rising inequality has been a major topic for years. It says, Oxfam said this is a time for global, the global elite to stop talking about inequality and start changing their ways. But here's what we get in. 
All of a sudden, we think that, you know, I was in a group. I was sitting with a group of people. Now, I'm going to be real. Black people that think they got a little money will talk more to, more stuff than a little bit. Because all of a sudden, they don't, they feel like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. They act like, this is, this is the fiction. They act like they getting eight of that $10. But really, they ain't got nothing but two. So therefore, they got a front like I got the, I'm getting that 10. You ain't getting, you ain't getting nothing. Listen, you, until I can, you ain't in that top percent. Let's just be 100. But since we get attached to the things that we can buy, we feel that we got money because we got things. But how many times have I said it? All of a sudden, them, them shoes you paid $200 for that you cutting grass in. Or them the shoes that you use when you go, oh, I'm going I'm to walk on out there. And then you put them on the back of your heel and slam that back down when you're just going to the grocery store. Uh, I can wear these like house shoes. So you break that back down on the back of the shoe and slide your feet on in them. But, oh, I remember when they was tough. When you didn't want to get a scuff on them. When you thought they had some value and you walked into place and everybody thought you was the flyest thing moving. But really, they didn't know you had no money in your pocket. And let me put y'all on blast. All you uh, investors, all you people who's, who now saying, I'm, I done went out and bought Nike shares. Let me, let me put you on pause. Nike shares are $80 a share. Pause. Unless you got some serious money to put up, which you don't, and I'm going to tell you why you don't, because you didn't buy the stock when it was $50. Poor investor. So all of a sudden you're talking this, I'm buying Nike shares at $80, but you can't buy enough shares to make no money. Because when you look at Nike, you find that you would have made the most money when you bought it at 50 and it moved to 80. Now you're getting in that area where it does not move that much. So the, the most you'll make, let's say you spent. Let's say you spent $400, okay? For those who are bad at math, that's five shares. So all of a sudden, you're looking, you bought five shares at $80, and it went up to 90 okay? Think about that. Think about that. It went up to 90 so that means $10 each. So that means what you get? You made $40. Don't talk to me like y'all going out here buying stock like crazy when you can do the math, but everybody want to be balling. Everybody want to talk like I got it because I got stuff. I just put a post out that said, look at all that clutter. It once was money. Excess. We are the most excessive people ever. When you look, we got everything but nothing. Because we want to be fashionable. We want to be the people that people look up to. We want people to say, oh, they got now they got some money. And get in there and you can see the you can see the bare bones of their refrigerator. You can see the you can see the ice being made on the back of the refrigerator and so it's so naked in the inside of it. And can't nothing even grow. Can't even listen, when your fridge is so empty, you can't even get mold in it. You ain't even got nothing stored in the freezer. The ice is like, I'm just gonna melt. Ain't nothing in here to preserve. This is how poor some people are. They house broke. 
They car broke, they clothes broke, but they get out in the midst of everything else and they just spending their money on things to impress people who really don't give a, a hoot about them. So I'm going to hit you on this one since we tagged that one. The, let's, let's read that title one more time. The 1% grabbed 80%, 82% of all wealth created. I'll say this one more time. More than eight of every $10 of wealth that was created in 2017 went to 1% with your rich self. Next. Now, for all my stock people, this is another, uh, this is from money.com. I know we are reading this all the time. But here to my investors. It says the rich or the richest. And this is, a, this, is, this is how I argue. This is how I argue. I don't argue with my emotions. I argue, I get emotional because I'm trying to help you understand that I'm not just spewing off. I'm going to find out what it is that I want to tell you so that you can know. So let's break this down. We're going to take a break. It says, for my investors, it says the richest 10%. Now, keep in mind, we were just talking about the 1% that got, you know, 82% of all the wealth, right? This says the richest 10% of Americans. Excuse me. The richest 10% of Americans now own 84% of all stocks. I'll say that one more time. I need y'all to get that. The richest 10% of Americans now own 84% of all stocks. Now, for all my friends who think by going out here spending money on Nike is helping the black community when you find out that, one, all wealth went to them. Ever ask anybody for change for 100 and they gave you $20? That's how rich the rich is. Ever ask somebody for change for a 10 and they gave you $2? That's how rich the rich is. And now we look at this thing on saying the ownership, the company, the stock, the shares, so if you say 10% owns 84% of all, the richest 10%. Now let me rewind you on this. Oprah, Robert Smith, Michael Jordan. Oprah, Robert Smith, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Oprah, Robert Smith. Now, I know a lot of y'all get out here and talk this money talk without ever doing y'all research, but there's only three black billionaires in this country. Three. Three. Trinity. When we take it to church, three. Trinity. So if the richest 10% of all Americans... And you know that only three black people fall in the richest 10% and they own 84% of all the stocks. What you doing going out here promoting anything that has anything to do with the richest 10% getting more of the money? 
if they own 84% of all the stocks, you're only investing in the rich. That's what the first article said. The first article said eight out of every $10 went to them. And then it said, and they own all the stock. You can't eat. You can't dress. You can't drive. You can't run your car. You can't get tires. You can't get your hair done. You can't get your nails done. You can't blow your nose. You can't wipe yourself. You can't do nothing without them getting paid. Do you know why? Because you don't put the same effort in supporting someone who does it for your community. Newsflash. But people want to be mad. People want to trip at me like I'm the enemy. But there is so much going on in front of them. And they'll go find some cockamamie article that gives you a lie as opposed to diving deep and saying, let me find out something. And then argue me up and down. I actually had a brother tell me what Kaepernick did is just as great as King. <laughs> Appalling. It wasn't like he was 20. He older than me. And he's like, well, Kaepernick is doing greater than King. Really? And, and, and what got me is, I was like, so the guy who could have been rich who wasn't. The guy who got the check for the Nobel Peace Prize and still gave it to the people who followed him. Hmm. Or the Malcolms of the world who, who was like, we ain't got much. I just give of myself. Meg Evers who got shot in his own driveway. It, it just baffles me. It just baffles me that we are so blind to money. We're so blind to money. We're, we're blind in two different directions, though. We're blind in, in when, 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 we, when we have a little bit of it, we think it's a lot, and then we don't have a clue what a lot is. We have no idea what a lot of money is. And that makes me sad because every time we get it, again, we equate it to stuff. And they'll post it. Y'all post all day. Uh, not a Gucci belt in sight about Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. But ain't none of y'all, but it, most of y'all afraid to live like that. I don't see Gucci. Listen, rich people smart enough to be like, listen, I may wear your clothes, but before anybody know they're yours, <laughs> I'll make my own. Talk about it. What symbol you... How, I just saw Bill Gates being interviewed on Sunday morning or something. Him and Melinda Gates. He had on a purple cashmere sweater vest. Wasn't no simple on it. Might have been one in the inside. But he rich enough to know I'm a walking billboard. I know business well enough to know that, listen, before I allow you to pimp me every single day and I walk out my house representing you, making sure you get a check, let me tell you something. I'll hide your name or I'll make my own. That's just real. And what's funny is I walk out the house every day with my own hat on. Never fails. 
every day with my own hat on. I had a brother. I ain't going to talk about that yet. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break because I think y'all need one. <laughs> and when I come back, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about the goals of the advertising industry when we come back. It's your man, Greg Merriweather. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Peace. Good morning, friends. And welcome back to the Greg Merriweather Show. I'm your host, Greg Merriweather. And yes, man, we've been talking about consumerism, advertising, Colin Kaepernick, Nike, the whole deal. We've talked about money in a way that most don't want to talk about, but we have to talk about it. Uh, because I think that once we learn, you know, we know buying power. We don't know money power. We know how to spend money. We don't know how to make money work. And I said this off air. I said, if we, if we knew how money worked, we'd support each other. You know, I had a brother who, who most people know him. And, you know, most people have looked at him as a, as a black leader, very militant. And the brother, I said, you know, he said, so how are you helping? And I said, you know, I'm helping because I started a network. I started, a, I started a network and I, and, and my goal is to build a network that, you know, helps our people get our voice out, but also building something that will allow me to one day hire my people or our people. And, uh, the brother came back and said, you doing that for you and yours. You ain't helping mine do nothing. And it disappointed me because, you know, the brother is an older gentleman. And, and at that point I just knew he didn't. It, out of all the respect I still have at that stage, I knew he didn't really get it because he still separated us. And, and let me just say this on everything. This is why when I looked around and I'll tell y'all the truth, I stopped coming on Facebook live because one, I knew, I knew the power of it. And I started looking, I said, why would I give Mark Zuckerberg my content? And then he's able to take it to market and sell it for free. He, because what has happened is YouTube and Facebook pretty much became like Goodwill. You bring me something for free. I sell it for profit. So all our content is on these things and we look up and Mark Zuckerberg is worth $77 billion because we gave him all the content to sell because there's like 60 billion people on here every day. So I was like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me to give him more money. So then as I'm talking to this brother, it's like, I got that, you know, I get it. I'm like, all right, we, you've separated us. So then it made me think about when I first started and I used to come on Facebook live when no one was coming on Facebook live. And I had merely had a show then. Right. And one of the things that I you know, must truly admit about what God has given me is that this is what he's given me. He's given me the ability to talk. For those of you who know, I don't write down anything. This is not written. This is not scripted. This is me off the dome, me looking at something and boom, that's what God gave me. So therefore, when I look at people and all of a sudden they look and say, it must be easy. And then they start a show. Now here's what got me. 
And this is what got me because all of a sudden, I, when I was talking to this brother, I understood his competitiveness with me because he never put us together. And I'll be real. You got a brother on TLC who has a show who comes on Sunday. He would rather pay 200 and something dollars every single week than come and pay 200 and something dollars a month to be on a black network or my network because he would rather be separate. So for him, fame and fortune is far more than his dollar. Because he would say, okay, I will give up four times or three times the amount as opposed to working with you. And so when I look at us, I find that this is, this is the plot and ploy of a Nike. Because Nike has made us think that through a shoe, I'm better than you. Through a shoe, I can afford more than you. Through a shoe, I got more money than you. So all of a sudden, our image has become attached to Nike. And like I said, so they gave us two wants. You want a black leader, but you also want to have stuff. So they put them and wrapped them all together, and all of a sudden it's like, woo, we've made it. The dream is alive. But really the nightmare is beginning. Because now you're giving your money to the 1% in all ways, shape, and form. Every time you type it, y'all don't realize you can, you can truly build a following on a hashtag. So all of a sudden, all this Nike, 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 they looking like this. Yeah, that's free, baby. That's free. And you think because you ain't out in a field sweating, getting your back beat, eating beans at night, that you ain't slaving. You think because you got a bigger house and ain't nobody laying next to you and you got a few light switches you can hit on and not a candle that you ain't slaving. But I'll ask the question, what does it mean to work all day and not have any money? Work all day for someone and, die, and don't get paid a dime. Most would call that slavery. Right. Here's the trick. The trick is you believe that I am voluntarily giving you my money. So I am not a slave. But I was asked a phenomenal question. If someone didn't make the clothes, the slaves would have been naked. Which is absolutely true. So it would be in my greatest interest to make you never support your own freedom through your own clothes. I will make you an involuntary slave, believing that you're voluntary, because when it's all said and done, you don't have no more options. You don't have an option that's yours to stimulate your own economy. You don't have an option that's yours to hire your own people. You are a voluntary, involuntary slave because you still work for nothing, because you give me that money, believing that the product is what makes you somebody. But you don't understand that I know money. You don't understand that I get bulk. You don't understand that I got people working in China. 
And all of a sudden, that Nike you paid $200 for, I only paid $16 for. $32 to get it to shelf. $200 out your pocket. And you don't even take the time to realize how many times you, how long, how many hours it takes for you to make $200. But you give it to me as soon as you get the check. That's why they tell you the dollar stays in the black community six hours. Six hours, the, do- the dollar stays in the black community. But y'all want to cheer for y'all money going out the black community because y'all believe that, that Colin Kaepernick going to get another check? Nope. Watch the commercial, then listen to the commercial. Listen to the commercial, then watch the commercial. Then listen to the commercial. And again, you'll find that that commercial ain't said nothing about no black movement going nowhere. Nothing. Try it out. Nike's on the right side of truth. Nike's on the right side of the bank teller. Nike's in the vault. (laughs) That's where Nike's at. Nike's on the right side of that dollar. You on the giving side. They on the receiving side. Nike's the collection plate. You the one praying that something change. Put your money in here to change. Give me your money. Everything going to be all right. Give me your money. But I ain't going to trip. I'm going to play this last piece, and then we're going to get to our OJ of the day. Let's listen to this real quick on Noam Chomsky on what he said the goals of advertising are. So I want y'all to hear this, and then we're going to finish out. It's Greg Merriweather. Let's listen up. It talks about the need to uh, direct people to the superficial things of life, like fashionable consumption, and that will keep them out of our hair. The public must be put in their place uh, so that the responsible men can make decisions without interference from the bewildered herd. There to be spectators, not participants, then you get a properly functioning democracy. And the uh, advertising industry just exploded uh, with, with this as its goal, fabricating consumers. And it's done with great sophistication. You don't see many wild stallions anymore. He's one of the last of a wild and very singular breed. Marlboro country. The ideal is what you actually see today, where, let's say, teenage girls, if they have a free Saturday afternoon, will go walking in the shopping mall, not to the library or somewhere else. So young girls, when they have a free Saturday afternoon, they're walking in the mall and not the library. Have you ever thought about a truck? And you look at a commercial and you wonder why they drop all these big pounds of bricks in the back of the truck and it says it has a stronger payload or it can pull this. And you look at the commercial and it's pulling or you go look at a Cadillac commercial and the Cadillac is riding down the street and there's no traffic and it's all white and it's just moving. And you look and all of a sudden it gets in your psyche and you say, that's me. That's called psychology. That's called consumers. That's called distractions because, again, you're not to be a participant. You're supposed to be a spectator. And if I take your money, 
you will always be a spectator to the rich. So it's, it's in Nike's best interest to make you a constant spectator. Because all your wealth goes back to me and I'll keep making decisions for you because I have money to influence legislation. Oh, you want police to stop doing this? You didn't think the rich had anything to do with it? You forgot that that's who they protect and serve? We say we over-policed. I say we're not policed at all. Why do I say that? Because when you look at what a police does, they protect and serve. That means you're not policed because you don't get protected or served. You don't have the resources because you put yours on your feet because you put yours on your back because you drive around with yours. You spend yours on weed. You spend yours on alcohol. You spend yours on weave. But when it's all said and done, you want legislation to change, but you don't have nothing to help change it. That's what the rich control. So when it's all said and done, you want to see some change, get you some. Let's be real on that. If you want to see some change, get you some and stop giving it away for nothing. The exchange of change brings change. Think on that. That's a Greg Merriweatherism for you. Just saying. But anyway, <laughs> I just want us to get it together, man. We definitely got to think about our dollars. It's important for us to do so because by doing so, I believe that it changes the game um, as we move forward. So anyway, let us get to that thing that we do that uh, so many people <laughs> love to hear. Let's get it popping. It is now time for the OJ of the day. Now, the OJ of the day goes to someone who does or says something that is not good for the people. Oh, man. Why do these two have to be the OJs? Listen, let me tell y'all something. I heard it with shoes, weave, makeup, high heels, dresses, fake breasts, behinds, and everything flying. Oh, Cardi B, Cardi B, what happened? Oh, Nicki Minaj, what happened? I heard that the two fake Barbie dolls got to scrapping and more parts was flying than a Mr. Potato Head fight. Let me tell you something, ladies. When you get yourself out in public, y'all need to stop it. Y'all eyelashes, y'all done have, have mink eyelashes laying on the ground, people picking them up, trying to put them in their pocket and getting them putting on to somebody else's place. Listen, you can't do it. Listen, don't nobody stab one of them fake cheeks. That could be deadly. Don't do it. But I'm going to tell you, ladies, y'all can't be going to Fashion Week and fighting. What y'all doing? What is it looking like? What's the problem? I'm just saying. Listen, Barbie. Barbie. 
got to stop the madness. It's too much going on for y'all to be fighting each other. To put it on wax. Y'all want to fight? Put out an album. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Put out an album if y'all want to fight. But I'm going to tell you, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, put the gloves down. Put the gloves down. Don't take no makeup off. Don't take your earrings off. Don't take your weave off. Just be cool, sisters. Be cool. But until then, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, you too are the OJs of the day. And that was our OJ of the day, man. I'm glad you guys came and sat with me today at the Greg Merriweather Show here at the Black on Black Network, part of WBMN, grooving 24-7. Man, just make sure you keep uh, hanging with me. We're going to keep bringing great content. I am just thrilled about what I do, but I'm going to tell you this. Anything that I do, it's not to hurt my people. Everything that I do is, is for the true love of my people. It ain't always the easiest message, and it's not always easy being the person who delivers these messages, but I promise you, I'm going to keep bringing them because I love us enough to do so. So with all that being said and done, man, make sure you get God in your life. No matter what is going on, no matter what you're doing, you need him. Without him, none of this is necessary. So I just want to remind you that he is a keeper. This is your man, Greg Merriweather. Have a great one. Peace.